0: Welcome back to the Digital Social Hour. I'm your host Sean Kelly, along with my co-host Ari Gold. What's cracking? And our guest today, Mickey Mace. How What's we going? doing? I'm good, Sean.
1: What brings you to Vegas? Uh, so okay. I'm, uh, gonna tomorrow, I'm gonna play a tournament at the Win tomorrow. Then I'm gonna play tournament poker go on Sunday. Okay, nice. But but it's a, actually it's a problem because I'm banned from both Ari and the Win. So I've been battling with them over the phone all week mm. to see if they'll like permit me to come and play the tournament. And uh, we haven't got a straight answer from anybody yet. So I'm just gonna pull up. After this, I'm gonna go see them both. So if
2: you're banned from Aria, you can't go into the poker go studios.
1: Well, this is the thing I go because it is
2: operated through.
1: It's Aria. Like right. if you want to play in the game, you have to play with Aria chips. Right. right. You have to cash in and cash of out course. Aria. So I've been in the studios. Like I've been there. i vibed out. I've been on camera. Whatever. Sure. But they don't have like. First of all, everybody in the poker community like loves to have me. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm like. Um, it's
2: a small, tight knit community. For those that don't know, I mean, there's probably yeah. what a hundred, a hundred mainstream guys that everybody really you know knows. And within that community, you can kind of go into a room and just you know, oh, that's fucking Phil Ivy, or, oh, that's, you know, whoever. But, you know, within that, it's the same, you know, certain athletes. You know, you have A-list, B-list, and C-list. And I feel like you're definitely in that A-list category.
1: (laughs) Yeah, you know, so when I go in this poker go studio, it's like that, you know, we just homies vibing. Uh, But as far as, like, actually playing, I haven't been able to play yet because I can't buy in or cash out. Like, I'm not able to. I can't even walk into any of the MGM properties, particularly ARIA. For some reason, security at ARIA is so fast on me. Like, I don't even have, like... I can't even do a walkthrough. So you'll get
0: grabbed if you walk in.
1: Oh, 100%. I post videos all the time. Well, I used to post videos. You go on my TikTok, you'll see videos of Aria security escorting me and anybody I'm without. One time I was with uh, Roddy Rich, Lil Baby, Kifa, and Ben Kicks. We all came together, and uh, we were playing at one of the MGMs, and they tried to throw all of us out because they Mm. were with me. It was was a real big ordeal. I want
2: to know how this started. How did you get... how did this persona start where did where did all the gambling come into play how did you get to this level like t- talk us through the journey
1: yeah i've been um i've been gambling on oh.
2: you good hydration moment <laughs> <laughs> shout out our sponsors water mm-hmm. <laughs> Baby, <cool. laughs> yeah kirkland shout out kirkland give yeah. us that plug Old kirkland costco. write me we a need check that- man yeah we need that costco plug that's a big wave <laughs> shit
1: yeah so uh so i've been around gambling my whole life like my whole family is basically just like gamblers what they like to do you know sure. and uh so when i was young it was like kind of family time like right. you know when the family was together it's like what are we gonna do we don't really play board games they're like let's play um,
2: play blackjack yeah you know
1: <laughs> pretty much but you know we'd play with like pocket change like pennies dimes yeah, of nickels you right, know? right right and so that's how i learned i don't know maybe somewhere around the age of five i started to learn mm-hmm. and then uh a lot of my life I was like with my grandparents and raised by my grandparents and they were like lifelong high stakes gamblers. Damn! So I basically grew up in like New York city card rooms. Like, you know, I was around oh, like these really iconic people, but I was so young. I was a child. Like, uh, you know, I was you young didn't really kid.
2: understand where you're at and what you're doing. Yeah. At the di- time.
1: Yeah. I didn't understand who I was around. I didn't really right. understand, but these people who now as an adult, I realized were like caring for me. Right. Like we would have all our meals in the card rooms. If I was ever bored, somebody's very like, iconic people that but again as a kid i was just like oh that's you know uncle so-and-so or right. that's the friend the whatever and they'd be like hey do you want to you know go to barnes and nobles and grab some magazines i'll come sit with you mm-hmm. little did i know like who these people were It only when i got older did i realize, realize right you know mm-hmm. but yeah i grew up in like new york city card rooms
2: Damn. all right so what was the transition like i mean obviously going from new york to vegas how is that kind of how's that transition process going
1: well, I actually ruined my life first. <laughs>
2: <laughs> All right, explain. Yeah, I made
1: like an I made like an incredible extended period of only the most poor decisions I can make. Mm. You know, I was partying and I had like zero, like zero, like regard for consequence and sure. uh, i was just out of control i was just just, living
2: in your 20s bro it's all good
1: younger than that actually you know i was like a, i was like a early teen and teenager and just li- but living the thing is all the people around me were in their 20s living like 20 year olds so mm-hmm. here i am 13 and 14 living like i'm 20 I got yeah you. you know and uh, so i actually uh, made a pit stop down in florida and that's where I straightened my life out at. And I started a new life. I started working. I started as a day laborer, worked my way up. I used a phrase in my in one of my first ever big interviews and I said that I leveraged my way up until being like, you know, a, a fairly successful like business person. Sure. But it was interesting how many people were not receptive to the term of leverage. Mm-hmm. So, I think a better way to put it is I just forcefully requested promotions.
0: Shout out to Manscaped for their support for the Digital Social Hour podcast. They are the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Their products are precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Their performance package is the ultimate men's hygiene bundle. Join over 8 million men who trust Manscaped. If my math is right, that's 16 million balls that they've helped. 16 million balls, bro. 16 million, man. That is a lot of balls. It is. So their product speaks volumes. Use code DSH at checkout. 20% off and free shipping. Wayne, what do you have in your hand right there? Bro, this is the Lawnmower 4.0 by Manscaped. Super, super durable. Use it in the shower. I take it with me on airplanes, camping trips, wherever I go. Have <gasps> you ever cut yourself while trimming your balls? Yeah, I've been nicked before, for sure. Yeah, we've all probably been through that, right? Yeah. But this reduces at risk, so mm. I definitely love this thing. Probably the best ball shaver ever best one i've ever used looks pretty nice man because with that regular razor it gets dangerous down there yeah for sure i'll never use a razor again <laughs> Only using the lawnmower 4.0 for sure hell yeah use code dsh to get 20 off of your next order plus free shipping mass
1: i just kept doing more work and saying hey i need to get promoted in a raise and if you don't give it to me i'm gonna go to another company right and so i just kept leveraging my position and forcefully you know, requesting promotions and raises, and I got it. And at some point, I had acquired enough knowledge, like, through working that I started some of my own smaller companies, and they built up. Uh, They built up pretty quickly. Um, And then when I stopped working, I was like, I need something new. Like, I've never, between, you know, being, like, a troubled kid and then then I worked really long days and really long hours, I never really enjoyed anything. I never, like, lived. There's
2: no time to actually be a kid and shoot the shit.
1: Yeah, so I was like, you know, at whatever age I was, and I, and I stopped business. I sold some business. Some of the other businesses I gave away, but it's an interesting concept because some of them are like not um, without me, they don't make money. Like it, it, there was nothing to sell. Like, I, you know right. what I'm saying? You were the business. Yeah, I was the business. So it's when tough.
2: I. It's tough when people get to know the owner, and that's that's really the whole personal relationship. And I, yeah. I, I honestly experienced something like that with one of my first businesses that I sold, and I soon realized that. that That level of transition really takes a, a, you know, a skilled person to not only hand off the baton, but teach that next person how to handle the clients, how to handle each account, how to really, you know, connect with people. And I feel like, especially in businesses with guys like you and I, and especially Sean, it's more, the business itself is more tied to the personal relationship and the connection than it is even the business. You know, you could charge the same price as the competitor, but if somebody vibes with you and they want to fuck with you, they're going to regardless.
1: But. that's exactly right. So I made a comment in an interview how I sold some businesses and I gave others away. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, if you're so successful, you never give a business away. The thing is that there was nothing to I'm not going to let's say me and you had that relationship, right? Mm-hmm. That you would take my business over Sean's because me and you were better friends. You right. preferred me. How do I sell your phone number? like to the guy who wants right. to step in line like it doesn't work that way right i can't tell you hey some guy offered me a bag so i need you to keep doing business right. with that keep guy Keep fucking with that guy even yeah.
2: though it's not me <laughs> yeah well,
1: I, I can't do that so no. like this concept of giving away what it really was it was like handing over a rolodex yeah. like here's the blueprint do what you do figure it out it. yeah figure yeah. it out 100 right yeah so i did that and i stepped away from like making money. And, and the thing is, I, at this point I had acquired, you know, some money and, um, I was like, I just want to live, man. Like I want to basically be a kid. Right. So
2: what was the allure to Vegas like from Florida? Cause that's, that's, well, a it wasn't,
1: it wasn't. So I actually, I moved to LA Oh and, fuck yeah, I moved to LA and, uh, and that has, it's obvious allure.
2: It's own toxicity yeah. in its own. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And then when I moved to LA, I always loved gambling. I have probably more money than is for my own good at this point. I have all the time in the world. And so like once a week, I was taking a trip to Vegas and like pretty quickly, you know, it's all relative, like the, the amounts you're gambling, like what, what's a lot, what's a little, it's all right. relative. So I was gambling with what I thought was not a lot when I was first coming to Vegas and I'd been desensitized. I'd been gambling since I was a kid and growing up in the card rooms. So for the amounts I was gambling, Vegas started going crazy. They were like, let me give you a jet. Let me give you this. Let me give you that. And I'm, I'm like, I'm like, didn't oh. understand
2: why. Like, all right, yeah, cool. I'm like, all right, whatever. Yeah. You know.
1: And then um, slowly I started realizing what was happening. And I said, you know, this is actually a very profitable endeavor so far. But I didn't enter Vegas thinking, like, I'm going to be a profitable gambler. I was like, I'm just going to gamble. He's going
2: to blow time. Yeah, I'm going
1: to have fun. I'm going to party. I'm going to win some. I'm going to lose some. But it turns out that I won more than I lost.
2: I feel like, but see, listen, and, and for as long as I've been in Vegas, it's almost like nine years now. I feel like it's always the guys that come to Vegas that don't give a fuck about making money that make money, mm. and it's always the assholes that come to Vegas like I got my last hundred
1: thousand and
2: I'm gonna fucking win it, and then they come back and they're like I lost the house, they're I lost the
0: emotional.
1: car. I think, I that's, a hu- I think that's a huge a- aspect. Maybe I mean, it is emotion. Imagine this: imagine it's your last hundred thousand. You're gonna play like it's your last hundred thousand. Yeah. You know, but if it's like. In, if you're gonna spend if that hundred anyway.
2: And you got another hundred million in the back, it's like
1: Yeah, you're gonna play like fuck. more comfortably, right. more like in your comfort zone and in your okay. space, and you're gonna respond more comfortably to to high critical and high high stress situations. Yeah, I get
2: that. All right. So what do you think? I'd like to hear what your take is on somebody kind of figuring out that groove or, or understanding their own comfort zone. Because obviously, like we just said, you know, there's different limits to playing and and obviously different price ranges fit different people. Is there a trick, or is there a certain um, mindset that you put yourself in before you hit the tables, where you're like, "All right, fucking meditate for four minutes"? Or, I mean, talk talk me through what you do before you hit the streets.
1: Well, first, I wanna um, I wanna speak on the first part you said, and the way I would, the advice I'd give somebody else. Mm is you're don't go to vegas thinking you're gonna win the truth is <laughs> honestly you know the, the casinos are so nice because everybody loses right there's only a few people in history that have been an actual winner in vegas and the mm. few of us that exist have all gotten famous from it
2: over time yeah, yeah not like not like a not like one time like one right, right. we're talking a yeah. consistent winner
1: yeah there's only been a few lifetime winners right. and the few of us including myself got famous from it which means sure. it's an absolute rarity it's a very unique characteristic you're calling
2: yourself part of the one percent because you are essentially yeah,
1: which right. is why we got this recognition you right. know like sean you know despite how long we've known each other what have you like you didn't invite me on here because i'm so good looking right you know what i mean yeah. i i i've got depends you. on who you ask i don't know <laughs> i don't know bro careful yeah. uh, a face only a mother could love
2: hey man i, I don't know for me it's that shiny ass tooth i'm just like yeah. bedazzled <laughs>
1: I've been waiting for these diamonds. I got these diamonds 10 years ago. And what? Just, you know, yeah, because so I know the woman who created the tooth gems, right? Her name's Susie. Get the
2: fuck that. Yeah.
1: Her name's Susie, shout out Tooth Candy, right? So I was one of her test subjects when she was first trying to formulate like, how to do it. So
2: they're, like, drilled in your teeth. No,
1: no. These are bonded on, like, braces, like the blue UV no light and all that. Okay. But now when you get them, they, like, last, like, three to six months or something. Mm. I got mine 10 years ago. She was going through, like, different testings to see, like, which glues and which this and which and bond. this motherfucker never came off. <laughs> yeah. Let's talk years.
0: about the tats. So how old were you when you got your first tattoo and why are you against them
1: now? I got two at the same time for my first tattoo. I was, like, 15 or 16 i was like straight out of like juvenile prison i was like i think i was like two months out i was like two months home and i got uh i got uh a tattoo that goes shoulder to shoulder and then i got something on my stomach okay yeah
0: and why are you against them now and you're now removing them
1: so i know what it's like to have no tattoos i know what it's like to have some i know what it's like to have a lot i know what it's like to have ones that are uncoverable i know what it's like to have your hands and neck i know what it's like to have your face i know what it's like to be tattooed from the top of my head down to the bottom of my toes i'm
2: sure the stigma gets annoying as fuck.
1: yeah i have watched directly the result of the progress of being tattooed and the way my life is affected it only has a negative impact Mm. having tattoos is only a liability and it is a zero percent asset
2: in what way explain
1: okay there's a lot of ways the first is standard judgment
2: Right, hundred percent.
1: Yeah. Now I knew before I got my face tattooed that I was going to be judged for having face tattoos. Right. But the state of mind I was in then, I was young, right? I had like this perspective on reality that is not real today. Mm. I I have certain, let's say, certain tattoos, right? That at the time was something I was really into and I really loved. We're talking fifteen years later. I don't even watch like, that show like why anymore. Why the fuck
2: did I do that? Yeah, right I don't even like. I don't even right. like
1: that show. You know, mm-hmm. like if you're if you're into Pokemon cards, let's say. And you get a Pokemon tattoo, and in 15 years from now, you're like, Pokemon. Was Where the whacked.
2: fuck was I thinking? Yeah, yeah.
1: but you're stuck <laughs> in a Pokemon tattoo forever. Yeah. Then you get other people that are like, No, I thought about this for two years, and you know, it's my 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 grandmother who passed away.
2: Uh, I, I think that's a little different scenario than getting you know like fucking you know East Side on your cheek or something <laughs> like that. I, I, and again, this is nothing against you, and course, and, and, and an attack. Yeah. I I have listen. I have a. a a great stigma of friends that are completely tattooed and they all have the same, you know, the same kind of stigmas that are attached to them. And it's unfortunate because ironically, some of the people that have the most tattoos are from the same scenario that come from just, you know, harsh backgrounds or made dumb mistakes when they were younger. And now, you know, they're running fortune 500 businesses and they're getting looked up and down like they're fucking crazy because, you know, they've got skull and bones or, you know, whatever it is. And I feel like that, that you know early judgment is pretty contradictory of how our society looks on people and looks on things you know really quickly and when they say don't judge a book by its cover it's almost impossible when you yeah. know the cover's got all these colors and stuff and you're like yeah. well fuck let me you know let me find out what's behind this book I
1: feel that. you know it's interesting what you just said that fortune 500 company uh Guys who run those companies have hand tattoos. Yeah. So there's a huge stigma that people with those tattoos can't do that. And I was one of those guys. Like I had worked on Wall Street. For a Street.
2: long time, you couldn't, though. Yeah. You know, it's, it's only, I think, I feel like it's only become normalized in the past five, 10 years, and if even, anything. Even
1: the word normalized, I don't know, is exactly accurate because you're right. You're almost, right. People like me, and I did work on Wall Street and I had face tattoos. Mm-hmm. The challenges I had are maybe the closest you can relate to somebody who also wants to run a fortune 500 company. If they have hand tattoos, it's the same as a guy who never had a a college education. Mm -hmm. So it's not impossible, but they've the same hurdles, but why would I want to add those hurdles to create issues? Right. I don't have, I already have my own issues. Right. I didn't have to add ones that people will give me more hard times about.
2: Sure. Mm -hmm. And especially ones that don't know you. And they're kind of just predetermining and prejudging off just the looks. It's, it's kind of shady.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Let's dive into a fun topic. Talk to me. Cryptocurrency. So, Mickey, I've known you for years before your social media fame. Yeah. I know what you've done. I know who you know. I know you started a top three meme coin. Yes. I
1: know you did. And
0: (laughs) I don't know if we're going to drop the name, but I want to hear the story.
1: Well, I know that you know I did because I hired your firm to do its marketing.
0: And the plot thickens.
1: (laughs) I... I, um, And so one of the first, I think No Jumper, the first interview I did for No Jumper, I've done a few, and I think that first one might have been my first interview ever. It was like I barely had social media, and I know Adam outside of social media. Like I know him like through BMX, right? So when he invited me on his show... I almost thought it was just like one friend to another. I've never watched No Jumper. I was so distant from social media. I didn't really know what was going on. And I thought it was like one friend to another. Like, you like we know, we met at like a BMX. Uh, Come on and shoot the shit. Yeah. like Right. Hang out. Mm-hmm. So I went on and we were just talking. and I even told him not to ask me so many questions, but I was not PR trained. Like right. I just literally was two buddies. Your first
2: out. fucking podcast. How are you yeah. going to know?
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So when I told him, I said, hey, out of these topics, you know about me,
0: mm-hmm.
1: only one. And he told me which one he was going to pick. And I said, cool. And it definitely was not that. And so when that got brought up, there was like uh, a little bit of flack. And then um, I've never talked about it again. Mm. And um, the way that it started um, was a really long time ago. I was at an airport Mm -hmm. and I was flying commercial. And when I used to fly commercial, I would consciously be the very last person aboard because I one of my biggest pet peeves in life is waiting in line. Mm. And I don't want to stand on this plane.
2: You already have a fucking assigned seat. What does it matter? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Literally.
1: Yeah, I don't Fine. want to be like pushed up against right. strangers i my bag. I'm good. So I'm sitting in the thing and there was a kid about my age sitting like kind of right next to me and it looked like he was doing the same thing and he was wearing a brand new AP. And this was a really long time ago when, like, if you had an AP, like, you were You were really, early. You were yeah. early to the game. Yeah. I just says to the kid, I says, nice watch. And he says, thanks. This, we're flying from Miami to Vegas, right? And he goes, uh, thanks. I just flew here to get it. I said, oh, you live in Vegas? He goes, yes. Yeah. So, oh, I live in Miami. And we start talking. He goes, take my number because if you ever need a watch guy in Miami, I got you. Mm-hmm. So okay, cool me and this guy kept in contact for a little while and we ended up becoming like best friends for like mm-hmm. the next two years and anytime he's south he's with me anytime i'm west i'm with him and we just vibed out and um i don't know i mean you know who he is yeah. you know what i'm talking about yeah and um, he ended up uh I, should i say it
2: is this who i think it
1: is
0: no uh, maybe should we say the company yeah i think
2: who gives should, a fuck you, we can I, I think, edit it later who think, gives a shit i
1: think you should say it.
0: all right i'll just say it. all right so he was one of the founders of coin market Cop, which sold to binance for 400 something million
1: yeah and uh so he was my best friend is my best friend you know mm-hmm. and uh he had came to me one time and he said hey like i want to work on a, a project and i said let's do run it. it yeah i said let's do it and yeah we created uh some things uh one of them that I created was uh, the number three meme coin in the history of cryptocurrency. And I had to like, kind of reference that in an interview. And um, there's been so many like gray conversations like that, there's been a lot of uncertainty even like we're having now, like, you know, what do we address, what don't we address? What benefits does it have to address? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, our boy, right? He wants uh, discretion he likes anonymity yeah for sure. he, he would like his privacy and he's of entitled course, to it as a lot course. of other people are there's also been like an endless amount of dead bodies showing up of crypto millionaires and billionaires
0: mm-hmm.
1: yeah you know they all die around the same time they all die from very mysterious reasons their bodies wash up in very they all happen areas. to end up
2: in tulum somewhere
1: <laughs> exactly you know and uh so there's like a lot of fear like what do we talk about what don't we talk about and uh and even what benefit does it have right exactly. so um yeah I, I did create that coin and uh, i hired you and your firm <laughs> to do the marketing
2: man i love that this. last
0: bull run was nuts
2: uh, you know i That's have how a we met. I, yeah uh i have a feeling that we're going to have something like that again right after this next crash i, I just have a feeling do. everything's going to bottom out and and again this is all speculation but for me i've been stacking fucking gold and silver like it's my job lately so I feel that you know Crypto's cool but hard assets that's where it's at
0: i got some gold watches you, you can
2: that's the best part about gold is that you can literally buy it in so many different things like you can buy gold watches that will retain their value if you get a rolex that's completely fucking stock and yeah. you don't you know tamper with it you put it in box and papers and you leave it like that yep. you're already making double your money the problem is that if you choose to sell it and you have an account with rolex you're probably yeah you're pretty much going to be fucking up your account so yeah. it's a double-edged sword but you know is what it is what about you what, what's your watch collection looking like
1: um most of my watches are in a safety deposit box in new jersey mm. i like that um there was like a very- factory
2: or are we flooded out what are we doing with I them? have a little
1: bit of everything i also okay. i also have a, a, a small collection of vintage watches and uh pocket watches mm.
2: tell me more tell me more
1: I have some, uh, some Breguets and uh, some Audemars. Uh, okay. Yeah. I, I, have, I, have a cu- I have a couple of things. I,
2: hey, I just bought a, an old Cellini Rolex, dude. Yeah, yeah I'm beautiful. In, I'm in love.
1: Yeah. You good, bro?
2: <laughs> I think I uh, smoked a little too much weed.
0: <laughs> Let's get back to the gambling. So you yeah. gamble with all these A-list celebrities. Yeah. I want to walk through a couple of them. Uh, what was it like gambling with Lil Baby?
1: Gambling with Baby is always cool. He's, like, always just, like, down with the get-down. Right. He's, like, no hassle, no hard. He's, like...
2: Baby just wants to be one of the guys. Yeah. He's he- just hanging out, and and you wouldn't know that he's a little baby if... If, he, if if you didn't know shit about social media and you had no clue about who the guy was, mm-hmm. he, he I think he goes into the category of guys that are really down-to-earth, like we were talking about earlier yeah. with Post and Luda. And, you know, I, I, I definitely feel like when you get to a certain level of fame, there is nothing more priceless than just having that privacy with your homies or just being able to go into a grocery store and grab a fucking carton of milk without somebody harassing you for a picture. Dude, I saw
0: a post on Impractical Jokers the other day. I'm like, how the fuck do you not recognize this guy? Uh, There's some people, man. Dude, They're they're really like... But post is so
1: like... Well, I agree with you. I also
2: agree with the fact that there are people that just do not keep up with social media, do not listen to music, do not like they're just in their own world, man.
1: Something interesting I learned about... So when I when I was in business, I was kind of anti social media. I was completely anonymous and like all of this. I had no idea. Like I told you but like I didn't know what no jumper was. And I was friends with Adam, right? right. Yeah. So like there are people that like never even considered it. And then once I entered the space like looking back, I'm like, "Wow, I'm still learning every day. Like no matter what level of fame I might be at whatever, I'm still learning every day. Like, oh, that's who this is. That's, you know, like
2: See, but I feel like that's a that's a true sh- a, a true like sign and testament to your friendship because all right I'll, I'll put it in perspective here if i have a friend that i know owns a restaurant i'm not a am not about to be going in there every fucking day asking for a free meal that's what a dickhead would do yeah if you're you a know, real friend your you real friend extra took the words out of my mouth you're gonna go in you're gonna show support you're gonna bring in other people you're gonna have other other clients that's and whatever you're yeah. gonna support that shit because you know homie's got to pay bills it's the same thing with you know people in the music industry or people that are doing podcasts or that have relevancy and for you to say that you didn't even know about his podcast that just means that you're you were every time you're with him you were kicking it with him you weren't like hey what are you working on hey how can i how da, 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 da. Yeah, yeah. asking a million questions about you know what they got going on it was probably more or less the conversations of how are you you good <laughs> you know you okay yeah. life's good all right cool yeah damn that girl's got a fat ass you know That's- or like
1: so we can, <laughs> yeah, we connected over, over BMX, me and Adam, and then whoever it else it was, like whoever else I ran into or like befriended, was just because we were like like-minded. We had the same interests. That's yeah, it. It's the same you friend know. group. Yeah.
0: Or was I, it like uh? Oh, go ahead.
1: No, I was going to say any time that I've ever had an encounter where it was not because we were compatible or had similar traits, and it was because somebody wanted something, none of those lasted. No, nah. like, there's not one of those guys or girls like in my life that came in with
2: a motive you know interior or uh, interior motives always you know present themselves in funny ways and i feel like you know no matter how long you keep somebody around that will always present itself in the most inopportune way there's there's never been like a subtle classy way for somebody to ask you for something like that's just out of their means or like outside the boundaries of what's comfortable it's always just obnoxiously gaudy or at a wrong time and you're you know Hopefully that makes most people be like, you know what, that's that that ain't the kind of guys I want to have around
0: me. Yeah, facts. Mm-hmm. What was it like gambling with uh, Logan Paul?
1: Logan Paul's cool, man. Actually, you know what? That was one of my cooler experiences forming the friendship I have with him. Mm-hmm. So, being like an outsider to social media at the time, right? When I had uh, became friends with him, it was uh, with also with Mike Malak and Ryan Garcia. I got a call from a another one of the guys that was hired to uh, market for this. For the coin mm-hmm. right and he calls me and i answer and i'm like hey what's up and he goes hey i got someone else on the line his name is mike i'm like, all like, right put him there. i was like if you're calling me for it it's probably something solid right. you know puts it through and he goes hey what's up my name is mike i'm like what's up he goes hey i, I like to film a lot of videos and stuff i do youtube and i want to come to vegas and and i think from what i've heard that you sound like a, the guy in vegas you know we could have a good time together you know i'll take care of everything i'm like okay run it yeah, so me and this guy named Mike had formed a friendship over the phone. Well, it turns out it was Mike Malak. And yeah. I never asked. Like, even if he told me what his last name was. Wouldn't
2: night, have fucking known. I didn't know Doesn't who it matter, was. right? Yeah.
1: <laughs> so we formed this friendship, like, over, like, a year or something on the phone, just, like, vibing, you know, just me- knowing each other.
2: Yeah.
1: Then he says, hey, like, I think uh, we are, we're all going to come out to Vegas. Can we film some gambling? And I said, sure. And I ended up winning a million dollars on camera for Logan, Mike, and Ryan, right? Mm-hmm. And the thing was, that was the first time I met Logan, and he was by far the quietest guy in the room. Yeah. So when I found out, like, Logan Paul is coming, in my head, I'm like, oh, it's probably going to be, like, maybe, like, a little goofy or egomaniac. He'll be loud. but <laughs> You know, something. I had this, like, image in my head. Yeah. The image he portrays online.
2: Nah, nah, bro, nah, nah. Uh-uh. He is the
1: quietest, most humble, like nicest guy. Like, he don't even want to be on camera. No. The only time he's on camera is like when he like, kind of has
2: Who to. Who the be. fuck wants attention when all they get 24 7 is attention? <laughs> yeah. Bro, it's like saying, I'll give you pizza unlimited, unlimited pizza nonstop. And the one day off that you get, you think you're going to go get fucking pizza? Exactly. No. You're going to go smack a McChicken or something, bro. Like, that. That, yeah. It, that's exactly what goes back to what we talked about when we were first sitting down. When, all eyes are on you there is nothing more priceless than having your privacy or having the ability to just hang out with the boys and be one of the guys instead of being that guy you're just one of the guys and it's it's a crazy trade-off because i feel like people don't really understand that the price of fame really comes with a lot of dude a lot of baggage it's a lot of it's it's difficult and it's and again i feel like tapping back onto the tattoo topic for you I feel like that just makes you instantly more recognizable. So like for issues at the casino or, you know, for running into people, it's almost unavoidable. Like talk us through. I, I, I want to dive into the whole casino aspect. And, and I mean, if you're cool with it, I want to know, you know, tell us some of the signs that you can tell that when uh, the casinos are kind of tipping the sides more towards the house.
1: All right. So there's a lot of ways you can tell. The mm-hmm. first is you can just go online and pull up like a probability chart for gambling. Like these are public information. And you'll get a rough idea the r- realistic probability of how many hands in a row you're going to win and how many you're going to lose. And if you can this I don't know is so readily available but you can if you're any good with math, you can take the time and do it. You can also create the the mathematics behind what hands are likely to win for how long. Like for example,
2: this is crazy.
1: If you're dealt <laughs> imagine pretend for <clears throat> this uh like let's say you 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 created like a, a software that that would tell you this right and you dealt yourself in blackjack in 18 10 hands in a row and then said dealer uh you know random hands and you, you'll tell you'll figure out how many times realistically they should win and how many times they should lose mm-hmm. and then you can say when you're playing in real time at a casino if you're dealt 18 let's say five times in a shoe and you've lost all five but you already know from testing the theory that you were only supposed to lose two of those times. then you're in a mathematical improbability, not impossibility, but you can go further. You can deal yourself an 18, you know, as many times as you want in the software, and you can give the dealer a 16 every one of those times, and it'll tell you how many times you're going to win probably like 90%, you'll win 18 versus a dealer 16. Mm. But then you go play real, and you'll see that a dealer's got a six Two, hour.
2: three, ace, and so you're like, what the fuck, Every where, are these, Every Every where yeah. are these coming from? Every time.
1: Where are these coming from? They're true mathematical improbabilities. Some are verging on the border of impossibilities.
2: Is there a way to tip the probabilities in your favor?
1: There are some tricks you can do. Okay. Nothing will hold water if you cannot be aware that this is happening if you if you don't even have the understanding of what's happening in front of your face to your money then there's nothing you can do to protect from it or change from it because you don't even know what's happening damn
2: i've been smoking up weed for this one today
0: (laughs) what's it like when you get banned do you get a letter in the mail from the casino do they come to your no no no, hold on hold
2: on talk (laughs) us through how you get banned and then go through the process of how that's
1: the answer is almost the same every single time has been different because of the reason i'm getting banned okay so people what get bullshit did, did
2: they tell you how about that
1: that's exactly there we <laughs> go that's exactly i want
2: to hear the real shit <laughs> i've
1: heard every tell bro, me i've heard everything we
2: don't every. we don't even have to call all the casinos out i don't want to name names but i, w- sued. I'm, fuck sued, bro. I <laughs> I'm 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 this is for pure uh educational purposes okay. i'm 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 genuinely fascinated by this because again we we've talked outside and and you know from my understandings there's there's always a level of you know a facade that the casinos have to put up and i and I get that, but I feel like the second that they know that you know that they know that you know what's going
1: on, it's over it's a different game right when you are doing something questionable or questionably unethical or immoral to the casino mm. Mm-hmm. You know what you're doing and if the casino catches you they tell you to leave. If you're counting cards, they'll either cap your limb, they cap your bets, you have to flat bet or they tell you to leave. This is like an obvious one, right? If you're cheating, you go to prison for 5 years. Of course. Obvious, you know. If you're abusing comps, they'll stop comping you or just tell you they can't. Come right, out. exactly. What happened with me was really unique because out of the 4 people that have ever been in my scenario, none of them happened from the method that I did it, right? So you have the standard stories like Phil and Kelly and, and I forget the other guy and, you know, they were pushing some boundaries and winning by creating a loophole basically, right? But their loophole was identified and explained. It was not a secret. Mm-hmm. But mine has always remained um, private. You know, I've never shared the information. Mm-hmm. So they couldn't understand
2: how you were getting away, how with I was it.
1: getting away with it. Okay. Mm-hmm. So a lot of casinos <clears throat> had a lot of opinions, mm-hmm. you know, and they have full teams, you know, that are
2: trying got, to decipher what you've got going on. Yeah.
1: And so when they could
2: interesting,
1: some of them said he's just lucky. Keep him around because eventually the luck's going to run out. Other ones said, we don't even care. We need to stop the hemorrhaging. Get him out now. So they all independently barred me at different times and they all gave me a different reason. I'll tell you some of the reasons. The Cosmo before MGM bought it banned me because they said I touched the forks in the Talon Club <laughs> High Limit uh, Cafe. Not a what? joke. Not a joke.
2: I'm sorry. Say that one more time.
1: In the Talon Club. Yeah. The the super high limit on the yeah. second floor. Very familiar. There's a lounge in there where you can yeah.
2: eat right by the elevator. You make a right and it's tucked in the corner. My yeah. favorite my favorite
1: in the cafe they have like buffet style food Yeah, and they have the forks spread out on a tray and you take the fork and help yourself mm-hmm. they said i touched more forks than i needed they mm-hmm. said i only needed one fork and i touched more than one fork this is not a joke uh park mgm was an interesting one i was with another small group of po- uh, professional poker players we caught them cheating red-handed i had an executive come down and i said to the executive space i caught you cheating here's the proof wait Here wait
2: wait is. wait 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 you caught the casino cheating.
1: I catch them a lot. So a lot of the reasons for my bands was catch exposing them. <laughs> <laughs> I've never heard of somebody be like,
2: no, no, no. I wasn't cheating. They were cheating. And then I got kicked out because they were cheating. Yeah. Tell so- me. tell. All right, I want to hear this now. Tell me how they were cheating.
1: This was like my first big expose. I caught you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I caught you moment. They had a park MGM. They changed the felt. They changed the tables. They changed the shoe machine. They changed the shuffler and they changed the monitor full new setups in the baccarat room, mm-hmm. right? In the in the nomad portion. Sure. Not that they have to inform the players that they changed anything, but I just didn't know. I was not informed. Mm-hmm. So I show up to play and I'm with some uh poker player friends and we sit down and I'm confused. There's like data I've never seen on this thing. I might have played more baccarat than almost any other baccarat player. i played probably in more locations, hands. I've seen it all, right? I did not ever see in my life what was on their baccarat screen. I said to the dealer, who I'm very friendly with, for the record, almost every at this time, a lot of the executives at Park, the dealers, the pit bosses are like personal friends of mine. I've slept with most of the females, and the males have come to all my parties. We go out to dinner, like we know each other, you know. So I said to the dealer who I'm friends with, I said, What does this portion of the data mean? She goes, I have no idea. I said to the dealer next door, I said, What does this mean? She goes, I don't know. I said, Floor, please tell me what this means. The floor says, To be honest, they just put this in. They didn't explain it. None of us know what this means.
2: Hmm.
1: So, okay, I'll figure it out. I played a first hand. I bet whatever I bet. I won. So, and the poker friends, they all followed my bets. So we course. won the first hand, right. yeah, of course, we won. No problem. Second hand comes. I believe I bet player and bank came natural nine. Mm-hmm. I forget the exact what cards, but imagine the cards came 5-4, natural 9. We lost. cause we bet player? No big deal. Right. Lost a hand. Right. So I go to look at the monitor to work on my next hand, and it's displaying the cards of the previous hand. And it says bank 1, natural 9, but the cards displayed are 7 deuce. But the cards on the felt are 5-4. Right. I said, hold on. I said, how is this machine going to know bank 1 with a natural 9 unsure how it won, and then make up whatever data it wants just to, to tell
2: cut, this, right.
1: to, to tell the right story. I said, hold on. I said, you guys are cheating. I said, because if you're going to make up that data, that means you're making up all of the data and will continue to make up all the data, and you will misguide me on every bet I'm going to make, assuming my bets are judged on the data on the screen. Mm. I said, They said, we don't know what to tell you. I said, don't touch anything at all. Leave the cards. Call an executive. The executive came down, one that also I used to be very personally close with. I said, I caught you guys cheating. And they said, oh, yeah? And I said, yeah, they said, how? I said, look and look. And they go, you have 30 minutes for you and all your friends to pack your bags and get out. Get the
2: fuck out of here. This was a
1: friend of mine. And I said, okay, I'm going to figure this thing out. So we pack our bags and we leave. I posted on Instagram that this had happened and I explained it. I tagged the casino like I always do, right? What's up? You know? Mm -hmm. You did it. You know what you did. I saw them, the casino's Instagram account, watch my story. (laughs) tagging them calling them out for cheating so i screenshot it you know you could see your viewers yeah, yeah. i screenshot it i circled it i posted that i tagged them again and i said i see you seeing me see you <laughs> i got a call like something like that day or the next day and said hey uh you're banned for six months i said why they said Well you scared the dealers they said uh you were threatening the dealers." they said you were threatening the dealers uh-huh. and you're yelling and you're throwing uh-huh. and you're screaming and everybody's scared i said i don't you're think you
2: so. being belligerent i said yeah. i don't
1: think so because i slept with that dealer last night she mm-hmm. didn't seem too scared you know <laughs> And they go, no, no, it's an issue. You're banned for six months. Well, that six months has been almost three years now. Wow. And every time the six-month mark comes, I say, what's good? They go, oh, this is a crazy story. They go, you went to valet so you can go to the stadium and you fought with the valet driver. I said, are you sure? Because I'm in California right now. They go, yeah, we're sure. I said, okay, I'm going to come to Vegas tonight. We'll figure this out. I get to Vegas. I went up to the head of valet. I said, hey, there's a story that I fought with you earlier today about parking here for the stadium. And And I filmed it. I said, do you mind saying to the camera, like, tell me what happened? He goes, I didn't see you today. That never happened. I don't know why they're saying that. So they're staging these incidents to keep keep justifying banning me. That's nuts. Yeah, I had – let's see, who else? I had uh, Caesars ban me because they – the first time they banned me, I made a comment that I was being judged for my tattoos. So they thought that they were going to follow – that they were going to have a lawsuit. So they said – we're scared of a lawsuit. We don't want you on property until we figure it out. But it was all made up. Like it was mm. garbage. They can you know? just say whatever. They honestly. they do say whatever.
2: They can because they're they're their own governing. You face. know what I'm saying? Yeah.
1: None of them want to face like reality. <clears throat> I'll tell you. Let me go through it. Ready? So so Cosmo for touching too many forks. Park for catching them cheating and posting about it. Um, MGM for no reason. Uh, I think they said I made a mess in the villa or something like that. But the real story was. The president of MGM International, his name is Justin Mannaker, and his right-hand man is Angelo. And Angelo got sent down. I deposited $9.5 million at MGM Grand, and I got tipped off that he was going to come and threaten me and try to strong-arm me, and I got tipped off from somebody. Strong-arm me for what? So this is what happened. So I get this phone call. I just sent $9.5 million to MGM Grand. I get a phone call. Hey, they're going to come, and they're going to threaten you. They're going to try to uh, extort you, and and they're going to try to keep the $9.5 million. Well, I happen to be with like a lot of other celebrities. We're all like enjoying the day. So there's a lot of videos happening. People are videoing, you know, everybody's influencers and Mm -hmm. the famous they video. So I said to one of the cameramen, I said, I just got tipped off when and where I'm about to get threatened. Why don't you set up a camera and mic me up? Mm. And I went to this meeting, mic'd up, and this guy was threatening me. And uh, he said all types of crazy stuff. And I posted some of that video. Mm. I did have to blur his face and his name. I, I, I had to follow the law. But I followed the law and I made a post, and it's on my page, and you can look and see it. And they did all types of crazy things, and um, they banned me following that video. Did you get your money out? I got. So they tried to keep a million dollars. I had to get my lawyer involved, <laughs> and they ended up paying me the, the right amount. But they they did try to keep a million dollars. Yeah. But I did get paid. I will say that. I did get paid. Um, Resorts World banned me because uh, I I was. Uh, it was like me, Rodway Fora, and some other industry people. We threw like a poker game in one of the villas. And then afterwards we went to go play blackjack playing blackjack. I caught them cheating and we were recording and I caught them on camera cheating. I also then filmed, I've been saying this from the beginning that these casinos jam my Wi-Fi, And again, like same, like similar to like the crypto, what have you, like people were very skeptical. Right. And I I was like, it's okay. Like I, like I know what's good, you know? Mm -hmm. And I had filmed that same day, like that same trip, uh, Resorts World jamming my Wi-Fi, I filmed it, and uh, made a few posts of all these videos, them jamming, them cheating us on the table, all this, and it got like 15 million views like, in 24 hours. And that night, uh, Fora had gotten barred from Resorts World, and that morning, uh, security came and said I had to go. And nobody ever gave me a reason. They just said, if you ever come back, you're leaving in handcuffs. But I mean, it's obvious what the reason was. You know, I caught them on camera cheating, and I posted wow, the video. You know? That's crazy. Yeah, I mean, all of these casinos. God damn. The only <laughs> the only casino that ever told me the truth to my face was the win. The Mm. win told me outright. They said, you're too good and we can't have you here. And I was with like, I don't know, 30 or something people, a lot of pro poker players. Mm. That was like a really epic moment. It was actually worth celebrating. That one. Shout
2: out the win for being real. Yeah, for keeping
1: it real. Shout out the win. And I've never disrespected the win. I've never thrown shade at the win. I've never done anything. Keep it 100, you get 100. That's it. All these other casinos, all they had to do was be nice to me. They just had to be nice and I would have let them live in peace. The day, I'm not even kidding. The day they came to me and said, hey Mick I'm sorry you're winning too much here. This is just not good business for right. us. We want you to leave. I would have shook their hand and said no problem. Let I'll take me it buy else. you a beer. Yeah. You know? But wow, in, that's in, crazy! They pull all these shiesty moves. So we gotta Mick,
2: tell them, tell them where they can find you. How can they follow up? Because I, 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 I want to go watch these fucking videos. So tell them what's up.
1: My Instagram, my TikTok, and YouTube is all the same. It's at Dirty Goth Boy right. and Boy spelled B-O-Y. So just at Dirty Goth Boy. All
2: right, Sean, tell them where they can find you. Sean Mike Kelly and I'm Ari Gold. Jeez. We'll see y'all next week.